Hello? You wanted to see me? Hey, Gene. Yeah. Take a seat, my man. Is this about my 11-month anniversary of being chief movie critic for the Today Show? Yeah, man, that's not how anniversaries work, Gene. Well, I prefer to think, Gene, we've got a problem. Your reviews are groovy and everything, man, but they're, they're a little square. We need you to kind of spice them up, you dig? Uh, I don't understand. I, I give nuanced reviews of plot and theme and an in-depth discussion of the actor's process. Yeah, man, forget all that. It's, it's not working. And for what it's worth, the on-air talent is concerned as well. I mean, I've, I shouldn't say this, but Jane Pauly doesn't think you can turn it around, man. She thinks you're a lost cause. J Jane said that? Yeah, Daddy-O, but I don't believe her. I believe in you, man. Can you dig it? Yes, I, 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 I can dig that. We need a hook, baby. It's 1973. Viewers have as many as six other choices of what to watch at any given moment. Eleven if the rabbit ears pick up anything. How are you going to compete with that? I mean, I, I haven't cut my hair since you guys brought me on in January, and I, I grew out the mustache, just like you asked. Yeah, about that, man. Um, Jane said you need to wash that thing once in a while. Jane? Goddamn Polly. She just made the list. What? Uh, nothing. So what do you think, man? What are you going to do to reel them in, Gene? What did you say? What are you going to do to reel them in? Reel them in. Reel like a fishing pole, but also reel like a movie reel. Eureka! I've got it! Wordplay shall set me free. Ah, uh, quick! What movies am I reviewing today? Uh, let me check, man. Magnum Force, The Sting, and The Exorcist? Uh, Magnum Force? More like Bad Dumb Farce. Don't shoot the messenger, but Clinton Company failed to blow me away with this half-cocked sequel. And talk about the language. Woo-hoo! Harry isn't the only thing that's dirty in Magnum Force. That's not bad, man. Uh, here's the thing about The Sting. The buzz is great when Redford and Newman cross-pollinate. Honey child, you better believe that the sting is the bee's knees. Great Willard Scott, I think you've got it. Ah, uh, exorcist? More like flex your fist and shove it up your own ass, then play yourself like a meat puppet, and you'll display about as much acting talent as Linda Blair does in The Exorcist. Yeah, yeah, maybe not that. But to be fair, you'd vomit too if you had to share the screen with Ellen Burstyn. Burstyn is a good name for her, because she's bursting at the seams like an overstuffed sack of horse shit. No, 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 no. Maybe the devil made them do it, but this film is enough to make your head spin. That's better. It's really Friedkin me out. Oh, that's nice. Great. So remember, it's time to exorcise your rights and tell the makers of this film that their mothers suck cocks in hell. Merry Christmas, everyone. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. Welcome to episode 31 of Opening Weekend. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And this week we travel all 
all the way back to Christmas Day 1973 and the release of three major motion pictures, the Dirty Harry sequel Magnum Force, the horror classic The Exorcist, and the year's eventual Best Picture winner, The Sting. But before we dive into the week's movies, I think I can safely say where we all were in December of 1973. Somewhere on a brief timeline between breastfeeding, toddling around the house with our blankies, and distinguishing various shapes and colors. Did I miss anything? Uh, I was pooping uh, in my diapers a lot, probably. Ah, yes. Let me write We're that down. We're not talking about last week. We're talking about many <laughs> decades ago. Oh, 1973. 1973. I was pooping in my diaper and then not rubbing it on my own chest. Oh. Oh. Is that the difference? No. (laughs) As far as we know, as far as you know. It's a vague, vague I think in 1973, the big thing for for us is we moved, because I was born born in Brooklyn. Hey, oh, Oh, hey, hey, oh, oh, come on, how you doing? Uh, In uh, Sheepshead Bay, and I believe around 1973 is when my family moved to Long Island. Oh, Manhasset. Which, oddly enough, I grew up on Long Island. I n- I've never heard anyone in my entire life say Long Island. Nor have I. No. Is that just, is that, is, is that a, a, this weird thing that someone made up, or do people actually talk that way? Well, how many times do you hear people from Boston say, era, era? Not that <laughs> all the many. Time. Every all time. Every time I go. Every, every time. time. I don't know. I've never heard it per se, but, yeah, um, yeah no. <laughs> I've heard Strong Island. <laughs> but I have yeah, not. Yeah, now you're talking. I've got T-shirts that say that. No, you um, do. Yeah. No, no, no. Good <laughs> God, I'd burn them all. <laughs> Strong Island. Imagine. Oh Jesus. No. Yeah, yeah. we moved to to Strong Island uh, probably <laughs> around 1973. We moved to a lovely little neighborhood called Munsey Park in Manhasset. And and yeah, and and my sister was probably on her way to oh. to being born at this point because she's two years younger than me. So, Lovely. yeah, so we were uh, probably living in the new house and expecting a little baby sister. Aww. And you, do you have any recollection of knowing that she was in the womb? Not at all. None. Okay. You must not have any re- recollection of anything at this age, right? No, almost, nothing. None. I can't remember anything from when I'm like two. My, my sister was born in 73, so she was, uh, she was about oh. five, six months old at this point. Um, oh, for goodness sake. Yeah, but Dan... You were just a little nugget. You were two months. You're only two months old. I have a hard time remembering this year. This year, three-fourths of this year is very, very dark for me. I have no recollection. But but I, I remember feeling very good and very safe, but dark, Aww. just dark. And then the last quarter of this year is a lot of light and a lot of, uh, I remember being very hungry. <laughs> I remember I remember sleeping a lot and uh probably occasionally crying and yes shitting and pissing myself. So things haven't changed. That's like my 2020. <laughs> I'm telling you this that that's exactly how it's going to be when we're all at the podcaster's hospice. It's just going to be a return oh, a return to the beginning. Second, oh as, Jake, as Shakespeare says, second childishness. That's right. You'll return back. Wait, where were you born? Were you born in Jersey, Dan? Born in Jersey, yes. I was born in Rawway Hospital, Rawway, okay. New Jersey. Uh, but we lived for a brief moment in a place called Hillsborough, New Jersey. We had a big, um, big, uh, uh, almost like a farmhouse there for some reason. I remember that. But I, I don't remember 
Was it the, the Weeble Wobble farmhouse? It was, It may as well have been because I was the shape of one of those. <laughs> but then we moved to Islin, New Jersey, and uh, that's where I was born. That's where I grew up. That was my uh, that was my Comac. You, none of, neither of you are from Comac. That was my whatever. My man. I'm, I'm from close. Okay. I'm from I always clo- think I'm you're from, from Comac for some where, reason because I like the name. I, I'm, well, because that's where my school was. That was the school I went to. It was I, I was ah, okay. born in Huntington. My mom had a house in East Northport, which was very close to Comac. And uh, all I remember about 73 uh, was going to see Magnum Force in the theater. So <laughs> on Christmas. <laughs> It's the on Christmas day. We went to see The Exorcist on Christmas. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, two great Christmas see, that's movies. That's perfect. That's perfect. And I'm sure, I'm sure Dan was swaddled up and taken to the Sting. You know, as a first night out for mom and dad, and they're like, "Oh, let's just let's just go see a movie." The Exorcist? No, he'll really freak out at that. The noises, <laughs> the Sting. There's old timey music, and he'll be fine. Um, yeah, well, I really that's... liked uh, Robert Redford already at that age. I was a big fan of, <laughs> of course. The, uh, yeah. Jeremiah Johnson, so my parents knew <laughs> to take me over there. Here's what I remember: orange, a lot of orange and yellow, orange, especially yellow, in and carpets, brown. carpets and ladies' dresses and upholstery. Yeah, a lot of brown mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of cigarette smoking. Ashtray. Everyone had ashtrays in every room of their house, big glass ones, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of yes. mustaches. Everybody had a mustache, including the ladies. Everyone wore <laughs> proudly, proudly wore a mustache. That's what I remember about the 1970s. Did your parents smoke? Oh yeah, yeah. Mine did as yours well. did not, right, Fred? No, mine did. Oh, they did. Although I know, I, I never know, knew that. Yeah, I know. My dad quit before my mom, but I remember uh, for several years as a child seeing my mom smoke. Yeah, I remember like getting in our in our station wagon, in our red station wagon, and her. Rolling oh, down yeah. the window to smoke, but she gave it up when I was pretty young. That's good. I still remember it. Yeah, yeah. I remember getting in cars with people. Yeah, and and uh, you know, yeah, people rolling down the window on planes in restaurants. It's yeah. like so weird that there's, none of that happens anymore. It's crazy. Still to this day, there's you get on a flight and there's a, a no smoking light comes on. It's like really, do we have to remind <laughs> people not to smoke on the plane anymore? <laughs> right. Um, Right. Yeah, right. no, my my mom smoked, my dad smoked. What was funny is I found out way late in life, I found out that my grandfather, who I always assumed had never smoked, I found out that he had been a smoker right up until I was like maybe three or four years old. Like he smoked wow. right up until he retired. Then one day he gave it up cold turkey, never smoked again, never. But he had like wow. been a big smoker and then just stopped. And had the willpower to do it and was able to, it, it, whatever it was about that for him, the addiction didn't have a, a difficult hold on him. But, you know, and my mom gave it up, but probably not till I was, I feel like not till oh, I was good. in high school. But mm, yeah. yeah, no, everybody smoked. Everybody smoked. The the other thing I, I do remember about this time was like, uh, you would go to a restaurant and they'd say smoking or non-smoking. And mm-hmm. there was always availability in smoking. So my parents would go, first available. And my sister and I would go, oh, man, come on. Don't wait the extra half hour for non. For fuck's sake, do you really? Are you going to ruin our dinner out at, you know, the ground round or wherever the fuck Beef we're going? Beef steak Charlie's. 
Yeah, Beastage. Chalice. <laughs> 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 you got the sangria, and every once in a while, some. I used to love the ground round. Yes. Ground round was good. was good. That was the ground best because you could throw the really peanut good. shells on the floor, and they always, at least the ground yeah. round near us, always had the best video games. They would go there first. So, like when Dragon's Lair first came out, that was there. Punch Out. Nice. Um, oh, cool. uh, pole position. Nice. Like that, the ground round for some reason always got the the newest video games. My That's mom awesome. worked at a restaurant in the 70s on Long Island, but it wasn't a franchise thing. It was called The Plank House. And she worked it there. It changed names Ooh. multiple times. She worked there for God, I don't know how many years, 15 years, through different <laughs> iterations. And when it was the Plank House, I remember she loved it there. That was her favorite version of the restaurant. But they had a lounge, a really cool lounge with a live DJ and uh, uh, <laughs> and video games, like these table video game tables where two people sit down yes. and play the game at the table. And uh, they had Centipede and Space Invaders and uh, Asteroids and something else. Gal- Galaga, they had Galaga. And, <laughs> and then they had Pac-Man and Ms. Pac-Man later on. And st- they just it was great. And my sister and I would sit there and drink Shirley Temples and play video games all, all through, you know, if we were visiting my mom during a shift or something. So, yeah, that's right. That's that's a big Aww, memory from the 70s. That's yeah. fun. And, you know, restaurants were like that, like family owned restaurants. They were dark and they had like those dark Very. orange like chandeliers yeah. and the wood yeah. paneling and a lounge yeah. with leather seats that had like tape. Yes. On. Like that's what a restaurant looked and felt like. Yeah. You know, it was like you were going to a place like that. You weren't going to a brightly lit thing with like chrome and, sh- and tile no. and stuff. You were going to like something that looked kind of like somebody's basement or den. Well, at least the movies weren't violent in 73. That oh, we can... Uh, no, oh, not at all. God. Wowzers, wowzers, yowzers. Wow. My wow. goodness. Not only were they violent, they were dirty. Like yeah. that guy, Harry. That guy, Harry. Was- Dirty. He pooped his diaper and smeared it on his chest. <laughs> and he was dirty. Harry. <laughs> <laughs> I like the smearing on the chest part. I like that that was a big thing for you in your development. <laughs> oh, you guys, it's Magnum Force. <laughs> Eastwood is back in full force as Dirty Harry and Magnum Force. There are killers on the loose, dressed like cops, and they always use a Magnum. You and your partner are back on homicide. It's a little dramatic, isn't it, Briggs? Not your usual style. It's meant to be, Callahan. Look, this thing might be bigger than even we think it is. They call him Dirty Harry, and he likes to do things his way. He's always around where the action is. In 24 hours, Harry manages to cover a stakeout, to stop a robbery, and to be a good neighbor. Rogue San Francisco cop Dirty Harry Callahan, played by Clint Eastwood, doesn't believe in blind obedience to the rules, but when a vigilante group starts executing criminals who have escaped punishment on technicalities, well, that's just too much. Even for a man who spent 25 minutes speaking to an empty chair at the 2012 Republican National Convention. 
Against the orders of his commanding officer, Lieutenant Briggs, played by Hal Holbrook, Callahan begins investigating his hunch that another policeman is behind the killings, with his primary suspect being his tightly wound ex-partner Charlie McCoy, played by Mitchell Ryan. Featuring future television and film stars David Soule, Robert Urich, and Tim Matheson as sharpshooting rookies, Magnum Force improved upon its predecessor's box office numbers, earning a total of $39.7 million in theaters. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Magnum Force? <laughs> that's a good impression Jason that's good that's good cause he doesn't he doesn't really open his mouth ever yeah, he right? barely talks yeah, and it's just but it's like his law, his jaw just is continually just his wired teeth are always shut. touching yeah it's like his jaw how does he mm-hmm. eat do they ever show him eating cause his jaw is just like this they did show him eating Remember the big sloppy hamburger he eats after he sees a bunch of dead bodies. <laughs> oh yeah, they go to oh, the yeah. best so, the best hamburger shack in town at the at the airport. At the right, airport, and seconds later, there's a hijacking. <laughs> wow, wow, and wow! I, I was on board with this, you know, for a good chunk of it, just because I was like, "Is that what this movie's going to be?" I've never seen a Dirty Harry movie. Me neither. I've never seen never seen yeah. one. I've so never I was seen like, one. Is this what the Dirty Harry movies are? Just wherever he goes, he has to save a shitload of people because. Crime follows him wherever he goes. I was like, if that's what this is going to do, I am 100% fucking on board. And I understand what is appealing about the Dirty Harry movies. If they, if this is what is this is going to fucking be. I was hoping for that, but it wasn't. Uh, can we just talk about that credit sequence, though, in the beginning? Because that, yes. that was some kind of awesome. It yeah. was TV. It just looked like yeah. TV. It looked like bad TV. It didn't look like a movie. And it's not a freeze frame. Whoever's holding that gun, I assume it's Clint Eastwood, is holding it for that long because it's kind of moving. It ain't Clint Eastwood (laughs) that's holding it. (laughs) Come on. Uh, It's Clunt Eastwood, his brother. (laughs) Clunt, get over here. It's Jacob Joseph Eastwood. Yeah, no, it looks very much like a T. Uh, yeah, it looks like an episode of a TV show. It looks like the beginning of Barnaby Jones or something. Totally. Um, yeah. But I was surprised by how how many how many names I recognized. All those guys I mentioned before: yeah. da- uh, David Soul, Robert Urich, Margaret Avery, who I believe is in the color purple. She shows up. She's that prostitute who gets so horribly, horribly oh. murdered. Oh um, God! It, it was like so bleak. It, it was almost too bleak for me. I and I just there, he wasn't. Yeah. He was fun in the beginning, and then I just thought, well, again, you see how people improved on this with like a Riggs, you know, from Lethal Weapon. Um, just sure. after a while, and even like Nolte, like Nolte's character in Forty Eight Hours is, uh, you know, something mind, like this. Fred. Now I read. Now I know like John Milius wrote the script, and he's he's like traditionally yeah. a fucking lunatic. He's apparently like and Michael Cimino and Michael Cimino, yeah. who are both like big, you know, very conservative yeah. gun nuts. And they're sort of like mavericks in, Dear you know, in, in, in the cinema and whatnot. But I read somewhere that Milius hates the final product. Oh, really? He's he's not happy with it at all. Uh, they hated adding in the Ugh. Chinese neighbor, the um, the woman who seduces him. <laughs> right. Mind if I ask you a question? Uh, go ahead. What does a girl have to do to go to bed with you? First of all, the only thing he wants to fuck is his gun. That, he either wants to fuck the gun 
or uh, the young boys shooting at the range. The, I, the happiest and most alive I've ever seen Clint Eastwood is when yes. he realized that a group of young men are good at shooting someone in the dick. And that was like the most engaged he was with another human. He was like, he's like, come up and see me when I'm back at homicide. <laughs> Come up and see me. See sometime. me sometime. <laughs> That's the other thing with this movie. Bring your magnums. I don't mean the guns. <laughs> you can take him out of the holster. The, the that's the other thing with this movie. His catchphrases are terrible. They're ter- Clint oh, Eastwood God. is like, I swear to God, doesn't he kill somebody in this and then go? A stitch in time saves nine. No. Like he's, he's constantly. <laughs> no, he does he's not. Do, he's constantly. He is. He's doing, you know, a penny saved is a penny earned. I swear <laughs> to God, he says that at one point. Haste I makes know. waste. He's, saying, he's <laughs> constantly doing like old proverbial, you know, phrases. He's just throwing them in, isn't he? I, don't, I swear I, to God, I, I he does he it. Does I mean, the only one I remember wants. is a good man knows his limitations. But uh, Yes, that's the only one I remember. That was the one. That's the thing Hal Holbrook says earlier, and then he says it after Holbrook dies. And then he says, the don't look a gift horse in the mouth, Hal Holbrook. <laughs> <laughs> he's constantly throwing in these proverbs. I will say, no? I loved when he, when he was on the plane. Teach a man to lot. fish. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the problem with all the Weeks yeah. movies. In 1973, I think there was like a thing. It was like, it's got to be two hours or it's not a movie. You can't, no hour <laughs> right. 45, no right. hour 37. They were all a little over two hours, you're right. All three of them were just over two hours long. And I yeah. only yeah. think this, I, honestly, I only think the sting needs to be its length. I even thought mm, The Exorcist could lose some, could lose a little. Uh, it's a little uh, fatty in the beginning. A yeah. little. But yeah, but this one wildly so. This is a ninety-minute movie, if ever there was one. And right, it's, it's not a good sign out. if you fall asleep during the car motorcycle chase at the end of the movie. <laughs> right. That's when I sort of Fred, started to pee. I around. did too. I had to watch stuff like two, three times to be like, "Am I missing?" Okay, I'm just missing yeah. stuff driving around. But no, I just looked it up. No, so the the fourth cop, the one who's not Robert Urich, not Tim Matheson, not David Soul, the, 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 the fourth the guy cop. who didn't become famous enough for you to know. Who he was. <laughs> right. right, that guy. Guy, he throat chops him to death. Okay. He goes, uh, 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 he, he does chop to the esophagus, to the 19, esophagus. 19 times, Fred. <laughs> wow. Uh, here's something I rewound three times. The final motorcycle, David Soul's the last one, right? The yeah. final motorcycle, chit, they're on a big pier that seems, it's not shot well. It's not, you, you have no sense of where you are in space during that last motorcycle yeah. the climax of the you're not in space shape. it takes place in san francisco <laughs> oh, you, oh that's where i was confused you're, think, you're thinking of uh <laughs> of a uh, krull i'm thinking of krull or moonraker yeah. the the <laughs> the uh no he, he they're driving on a big long pier yes uh clint eastwood's on one motorcycle david souls on the other they jump over something clint eastwood you know um um puts puts his bike down like he you know skids down david soul doesn't and lands in the ocean and dies. That's the climax of the movie. But you don't know why that happened because Ted Post, this director, doesn't show you what what the date. You got to show us what the danger is of what they're doing. Mm. You see what I mean? You guys were asleep during this, and and you're better off. I, I, I was. I was awake, but I totally missed. <laughs> all all I know is all of a sudden he was in the water, and what? he was, and then and then Clint Eastwood kicked the helmet down, and I, and and Kate yeah. was like, Kate was like, that's a little much. Isn't it kicking the helmet? I was like, the guy was really bad. It's okay. 
I think kicked, I, you he, can kick the helmet. But that's he I didn't know how helmet. he got there. I was like, oh, oh that, shit, he's dead now. <laughs> Jason, that's what that's what I'm saying. I didn't know how he got there. I was like, oh, he's in the ocean and he's dead. I must have missed something. Immediately rewound it and I was like, nope, I didn't miss anything. He's just in the water. And you, you the, the director or the cinematographer, whoever, never set up what yeah. how that happens. He's just yeah. he, he's just flying off of the thing. And Eastwood isn't, and he is was right you guys don't have enough experience yeah from what i understand and the, he, he's sort of famous for this now but you know clintwood as a director is known for just like one take and move on like it's just if, if we got it we got it and i was reading that at this time he was also that way as an actor and i think he and the director <laughs> clashed quite a bit that it was just like i'm just gonna do it let's just move on i'm gonna kick the helmet off the pier let's move on so there's a part <laughs> of me that wonders if by that point, they're like, yeah, let's just kill we, we got it, Johnny. We got it. We, Teddy, move on. We're just going to keep going. If I have my way, Callahan, you won't make another arrest as long as you live. I like that Hal Holbrook. Oh, he's I wonderful. I love Hal Holbrook. He's, he's wonderful. Good. How can you not? I wanted his, to do. His I demise wanted, was ridiculous. Right. It was utterly ridiculous. But, you know, I want to see. It was, it was as if the car should have just driven into a fireworks factory, like in a, <laughs> in a naked gun movie. Because he keeps looking back over his shoulder. He's yes. like, keeps checking the mirror. He's like, you still there, Clint Eastwood? I'm driving away now, but I'll certainly get my revenge on you later. It would have been great if just like a truck of fireworks drove by and he like, <laughs> But did you see what Milius and Chimino had to do to make that make sense? When Holbrook gets in the car with the plastic explosive, he literally says the line, this plastic explosive is set to, is rigged to go off with your mailbox key or a timer. Anyway, right, right. back to, it's right. like the, the only reason that line is in there is to justify his own death at the yes, end. But my course. guess is, to your point, I bet that line <laughs> is an Amelius line. You know, because uh, you think of some Amelius' right. better scripts and, yeah. you know, they don't do that. This is, exactly this is a movie that's all about having it both ways, right? It's like it's it, you're on a hunt for a killer while you're fetishizing everything the killer does. And, you know, and he's also a cop. So it's like you're having that. It's like this sick thrill of like, but like you, you're constantly going back and forth between scene, scenes of Dirty Harry taking people out and doing shit. Mm -hmm. And then another cop who we don't know who it is taking <laughs> people out, killing people. It's just a movie of like cops killing people, good yeah. people, bad people. Then there's also the fact that it's like it's both homoerotic in the sense that Clint Eastwood doesn't really seem interested in the fairer sex or anything other than his guns and men who handle guns well. And then it's also homophobic. He gives so many disgusted looks to anybody that he perceives as not being good with a gun, not right. having used a gun before. Yeah. Like it's, it's like I never shot. Somebody says I never shot a man. And he looks at him like the fuck is wrong with you as if he said i only rape moms as if he said that God. and he looks but at him like fine. Get over but if that's there. the character then that's fine then that's a character yeah, study and, so and, I, and i can accept that that's okay you're making a movie about this type of person and obviously there's a gun fetishizing in this movie i mean there's the whole yeah. thing with the with you know with the gun competition that's yeah. what milius and chimino wanted to do right. so that's, that's fine that might not be something yeah. But that, that's, a, you know, that's, again, a, a type of person or a culture that they uh -huh. wanted to Appeal spotlight. To. But the movie around it, like you mentioned, you know, okay, Dirty Harry is one cop who kills people. Then there's these other cops who kill people. Like, is there any doubt right from the start? You know, you know, it's, it's a motorcycle cop. And then you meet these four young guys and you're like, okay, so they're the ones who are doing it. I don't know. I just didn't find it interesting. I didn't care. Yeah, I, I was into it till about the halfway point, and then I, I checked out, and then I started. You see a topless Suzanne Summers though. 
What? That was Suzanne she's, Summers. I just saw yeah, topless people scene. in the pool. Yeah. I didn't know that was she's her. uncredited. Really? With yeah. all the, with all the <laughs> fine work. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> now, do we find out why those why those people at the pool party got massacred? That's the I one I didn't they get. Were, they were mafia. I I assumed it was you know like a, a gangland type. That, okay. Situation. It's, it's bad storytelling though because they don't explain that. Yeah. And you don't. I couldn't understand who they were. I thought I, w- no. I was like, I'm sure it'll be explained. I'm sure we'll have some sort of sense of why this group of people was targeted. But I don't think they ever have a line that explains why the people at that party were killed. No. If there was, I didn't catch it. So, I didn't I mean, catch it you either. Know, poorly, you know, the, the uh, whatever wound up as the screenplay that was that was shot was not, you know, wasn't good. Lean into the preposterousness. I would rather have seen a movie where <laughs> anywhere Dirty Harry, if Dirty Harry goes to Disney World, there's going to be a big crime there. <laughs> if Dirty Harry goes to Saskatchewan, there's going to be a big crime there that he has to solve. That's a movie I want to see. That's because you like Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> you and your wife, like Murder She Wrote, where every place that old lady goes, somebody drops dead, yeah. and nobody and ever thinks the- of her as the angel of death. <laughs> exactly, exactly. She's never suspected. It's like maybe yeah. you're the problem, Jessica Fletcher. Yeah, you are the common denominator between all of these deaths. I think the problem with the movie, and maybe what could have been interesting about it, and what they were trying to do, is right in the, the first Dirty Harry even though none of us saw it. Apparently, from what we understand, there's a cop named Dirty Harry. What? And he's the he's an anti-hero, right? And mm-hmm. in this movie, it's like, well, what happens when the anti-hero is faced with anti-heroes? Right. Right. That's so a good that, idea. That could have been idea. interesting, and it just yeah. fell flat. It, it went down like a can of Drano in a hooker's mouth. Oh, you know, for just, the uh, love of... Which was another thing. I could not tell what was happening to her. I was no, like, I, I had wound no it clue. three times. I was like, what yeah. did he kill her with? It's very poorly filmed. It's you know how I know filmed. that? Wikipedia. Well, eventually they said, yeah, they then say later on they say, like a half hour later, they're like, yeah, I killed her with a can of drain kitchen drain cleaner. I was like, oh, yeah. good to know. I thought it was Barbasol. I didn't. I yeah. thought it was vitamins. I didn't know what <laughs> he was giving her. Eat these one a day. They're only supposed to be one a day. Drink <laughs> more than one. <laughs> what could it hurt? Um. <laughs> I thought here's what I thought it was. I thought it was. Um. Uh. I thought he was knocking her out with noxa, nitrous oxide uh-huh. from like right. a uh, from like a ready whip or something like they something in an aerosol can and was basically giving whip it whipping her to death. Wow. That's what I thought. Yeah. And then I thought it was WD forty because that's what the can yes, looked like. Yes, it looked like that too. And then uh. they were like, oh, she he, she he made her drink Drano. I was like, oh, I didn't get that at all. No. no, you're right, Fred. There, there is, a, 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 yes, to say like he's this this kind of vigilante cop on the edge, and then to be faced with someone who, or a group of people who are 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 bending those rules or breaking them, obliterating them entirely. You know where he where he tries to operate somehow within the system, just on the razor's edge of the system. But right. these guys are like, it's like it's like League of Shadows. It's like something. It's like yeah. oh, you're taking it too far. It's a smart thing to do with a sequel, but it just didn't land for me either. Again, it felt like they really wanted to have it both ways. I was like, okay, it's like they're really just another facet of you. How many Sheilas? Two. <laughs> yeah, I give it a two. I give it two. I'll go four. Really? Yeah, I'll go four on it. You were into it for a longer stretch. I was kind of yeah. It, at the first five minutes, I was like, 
okay, gritty 70s. I yeah. mean, it's going to look like, it looks like a TV show. Totally. The others, the others look like movies. This looks like a TV show, but, yeah. you know, gritty 70s cop thing. It just kind of, it lost me earlier than it lost you. This is the last thing I say about it. There's no one to care about in this movie. <laughs> no. The only things you ever see of this character, it's you see the shot, there's always the, the clip from the first movie where he says, do you feel lucky, Puck? Yeah. Uh, you feel lucky, not Puck. That was when he did Midsummer <laughs> that one time. Do you feel lucky, Puck? Now go and get this flower. Um, the, ne- the next <laughs> time I do Midsummer, I'm putting that in. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel, do you lucky, feel lucky, Puck? Punk? And then, and then uh, go ahead, make my day from the, four, the movie that like, there was like a 12-year break in between sequels and then sudden impact in 83. Uh, there's go ahead, make my day. And in fact... Go ahead, make my day. And do you feel lucky, punk? There's like a, there's this AFI list of like uh, the hundred greatest quotes from motion pictures. Yes, yeah. And th- those are two of them. Dirty Harry. Wow. The character of Dirty Harry has two of the hundred greatest quotes in, in motion picture history. But he never says them together. Like he doesn't say them together in the same movie. No, he says, no, no it's, it's not because it's not a catchphrase that carries over from one to it's not like well isn't that special it's not like he says it every movie it's, well isn't that special it's just it's just a now line you're just that, robbing catchphrase from other people dirty it's, just a, it's just a, you know no there's a line from the first film that's famous Where's that's the, the punk beef? one <laughs> now you're taking from commercials avoid the noid munchichi munchichi also oh, soft, soft and cuddly with his thumb in his mouth he's really neat why are you la, saying la, that? La. La, la, la. Oh, happy, Manchichi. happy, Manchichi. <laughs> oh, the Exorcist. <laughs> yes, yes. Somewhere between science and superstition, there is another world. <laughs> the world of darkness. expected it. Nobody believed it. And nothing could stop it. One of the most beloved and profitable horror movies ever made, The Exorcist is based loosely on actual events. When young Regan, played by Linda Blair, starts acting a little out of sorts, you know, pissing on the carpet, levitating, speaking in tongues, spinning her head around 360 degrees, and violently masturbating with a crucifix... Her understandably worried mother, played by Ellen Burstyn, seeks medical help, only to hit a dead end. However, a local priest, Father Karras, played by Jason Miller, comes to believe the girl may be seized by the devil. Karras makes a request to perform an exorcism, and the church sends an expert in such matters, played by Max von Sydow. The Exorcist was a true blockbuster, taking in $232.9 million domestically and $441.3 million worldwide. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think? of The Exorcist. I think it's pretty great. I really do. I, I, you know, I, there's some issues that I have with it, but now I had this on my list, my, my top 10 yeah. scary movies. Right. I think this might've been like seven there, or eight. It was oh. up there. The funny thing about that is I've only seen it maybe twice. I saw it. I, obviously I, I did not go to see it on Christmas day in 1973, what? which is odd. Yeah. Oh, it was weird. You lied to good, us. Would have been a great movie for a Jewish family to see on Christmas. Uh, And I was, you know, 
Yeah. <laughs> you see what happens? See what you happens? play around with the crucifix. It's <laughs> not worth it. <laughs> this we don't need. <laughs> the pissing, the puking, the head turning. Uh, uh, all over uh, the carpet? Come on. Uh, hey, uh, yes, so I, I think the first time that I saw it, and I think I, I mentioned this on the Halloween special, I saw it with my friend Travis when they released mm-hmm. The director's cut, which I think it's, I think it's actually called like the never been seen cut. There, there's a, a special name for it. Yeah, that's when I saw it for the first time. Was was it, I think it was in 2000. The it was at yeah. the Astor Place Theater, which used to be on 43rd Street, that enormous theater. And this is where they inserted the the infamous spider crawl scene, and there were a few extra scenes mm. in there. And it scared the shit out of me. I, I was absolutely terrified. Um, I remember there were a few moments with Lee J. Cobb. And these were scenes that were added in, which seemed strange to me. Now, in rewatching them, mm. those scenes are gone, and I see why it makes sense to me why they're they're gone. But anyway, in the rewatch, uh, which was this afternoon, I <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I loved, and you know, we were talking about this with the horror movies, and you you brought this up a lot, Dan, about that slow build. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, talk about a slow build. Yeah, and that, and I really. You know, maybe, 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 maybe you could cut some stuff in that beginning scenes, the the scene in Iraq, but it, it sort of comes to play later because I, I that, that's the only scene that puzzles me. Yeah. And I, I think the only thing I can think of is that it's trying to show how this guy has been trying to, he's he's been in a battle with the devil, you know, for, for since the dawn of man for ages. Like, this is something <laughs> yeah. that he's been doing all over the world and they, he's got a name the devil has a name in this movie it's like pazuzu or um, yes, yes 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 and i'm blanking on it now but the, I, uh, the sound I, in this movie was pretty amazing and i oh was like and i don't know if it was God. remastered i watched it on amazon today and i was like all right this yeah. isn't the director's cut because it doesn't have that spider crawl thing which yeah. i do remember from the theater but i was like it sounds the audio sounds remastered. I mean, it looked great. It was an HD and stuff. And I, 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 but I was like, wow, this, it felt like, I was like, is this the original sound just kind of, I think so cleaned up or because I watched the original one too. Yeah. Yeah, The sound is really good. It's It's terrifying. I just, I forgot how good it's just such a well-acted movie. I think I love the Jason Miller character. Yeah. He's he's fantastic. He's so good. Yeah. And and it's very Pacino, it's, very young Pacino kind of character. Pacino was up for it. They wanted him to do it. Oh, ah, for that makes sense. And they saw because I was because that championship season is one of my favorite plays. And I always knew yep. that Jason Miller wrote it. And yep. you know, that I always knew, oh, the guy from The Exorcist. And they saw from what I was reading. They wanted Pacino. They wanted Nicholson at some point. Mm. <laughs> uh there were a few names attached to it. Stacy Keach. I think oh, it was the one who was supposed to do it, and then I could see, uh, I could see um, John Cazale maybe doing it. Jason Miller reminds me a little bit of John oh, Cazale. Oh yeah, you know. Well, yeah. was he? He's kind of like a combination of Pacino. And no, Cazale. he was still alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. they went to go see. But apparently, I think it was Friedkin or or, or Blatty, the writer. Blatty yeah. is it Blatty or Blatty? Blatty. I think Blatty. Blatty. William Peter they, Blatty. They went to go see uh, that championship season, and they started to talk to Jason Miller, and that's how they just struck up a conversation cool. about it and Miller really liked the book and he he was the, he really fought for the role apparently he wow. said he's like let me screen test let me get in there he's like this role is me because he was like a lapsed catholic as well oh, he wow. was supposed to be a priest i just thought it was such a 
an interesting character. You know, this guy who's lost his faith. I thought you were supposed to be an expert. There are no experts. You probably know as much about possession as most priests. Look, your daughter doesn't say she's a demon. She says she's the devil himself. Now, if you've seen as many psychotics as I have, you'd realize that's the same thing as saying you're Napoleon Bonaparte. Uh, Lee J. Cobb. Is, he's is wonderful. wonderful. He's great. And I that forgot was he thing. was in this. I totally forgot about I his character. I always forget he's in this. I'm so glad you said that because yeah. I always I've seen this. <laughs> maybe this is my fourth time. I think maybe this, third, but I think fourth. And every time I'm like, oh right, Lee J. Fucking Cobb yeah. is in this. He's so good. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I I really. I mean, it's it's fucking creepy. Is it a movie that I'd want to watch again? It's excellent, but it's also hard to watch. And it's like, well, why? <laughs> why would you throw it on it, but i guess with a group of people again <laughs> have it on in the background while you're cooking no it's like <laughs> but it might be a good one you know the group of people like you know a halloween movie for you know the scare because man when the mm-hmm. when the scares come yeah when it get when it really t- makes that turn which i clocked at an hour 14 minutes when the shocks <laughs> begin in earnest all of a sudden like fuck me with the crucifix that is crazy town it goes to crazy town and it stays in crazy town and it is and it takes all, and it takes time getting there lift me lift me when when she starts to speak backwards yeah. yeah. And that they're saying, beware the priest, beware Merrin. They're saying yeah, Merrin. They say Merrin. Yeah. And that's when I mm. started to really dawn on me. I said, oh, that's what it is. Like they've yeah. faced off with him before. Yes. So maybe that's why that scene is needed in the beginning. Mm. I think it's a calling out. You know, it's like Merrin is going to. The, the, I think you're absolutely right with your analysis of that first, all the stuff in Iraq, uh, uh, Fred, because it's, I think they've been fighting this battle for a long ass time. What, mm. what I, what I don't, I've never really, I never really understood. I think I might've mentioned this in the Halloween episode, or maybe it was in our conversation around it of like, what do you make of those opening scenes? But this time yeah. I really paid attention. I really, I, I had subtitles on during it and I really mm-hmm. tried to clue into like, okay, remember everything about this. Remember this because see if this comes up later. And so much of it does. Yeah. Um, and, and it's really, really important. But I think you're spot on there, Fredo, when you say, no, these two have been have been locked in a battle for a long time. And 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 he knows Max von Sydow seems to know after he finds that little talisman and then the little charm, you know, mm-hmm. the little thing of St. Joseph, which Karis is wearing at yeah. the end and he pulls yeah. off he pulls it off of himself right before he goes through the window mm. and then Ellen Burstyn finds it and was like this was in Regan's room I thought you might want this gives it to the other priest who's his friend and it's that freaking St. Joseph thing yeah. that it's- Max Vancito found in Iraq however long however much earlier it's that like was it's like this timeless battle wow. between yeah. good and evil that's going to keep going weird. on and then yes this was the first that's time i heard merin merin on the backwards thing but mm. it's very interesting what is said and i never would have known i never would have caught this unless the subtitles were on and it's so weird in seeing movies from this era in the modern era when you can just throw subtitles on mm. but when max Fancito is sitting there with whoever that holy man or priest is in Iraq and the guy, and he's like, what do you make of this? And he sort of gives him the talisman or whatever. And he says, Oh yeah. Uh huh. Evil against evil. Yes. Yeah. Evil against evil. So to me, it's like, okay, the evil talisman and the evil St. Joseph 
thingy is like, what this is going to come down to is maybe it's the devil or the devil's representative on earth versus the faithless man, you know, and what's going to ultimately have to win out is faith. And this movie is a, is a, I talked to my, um, my father-in-law about this movie, uh, today he loves this movie this is his favorite movie of all time oh, wow. he's really? a devout devout christian devout christian and he's like this is one of the most christian movies of, of all time like it is huh. it is full-on like an advocate of faith and christianity mm. and all of that winning out and it, and i think it is i mean i don't think there's any way around it because as soon as he as soon as he Karis says come into me and he's the de- yeah. he's the demon That's for a amazing. second and then he's not then he's not the demon for a second. It goes out of his eyes. Then he mm-hmm. leaps through the window. And I yeah. think that's the moment he has faith again. That's my interpretation of it anyway. But that whole oh, yeah. evil against evil agree. thing is was very like, what is this? What does that mean? What is it? I was racking my brain. I was like, evil that's against evil. Cool. Isn't it good against evil? No, it's evil against evil. You know, so it's, it's, I, mm. I, 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 this movie kind of blew me away on this, on this rewatch. Me I'm too. so glad you mentioned sound too, because I, I was going to, I don't want to reiterate, but it's an incredible, the sound effects editing and the sound mixing on this is incredible. And I, I don't yeah. know if they, yeah, gussied it up for Amazon or for, for, for digital or HD or whatever. Maybe. But, Oh my God, it's, 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 and I have a shitty old TV and it's still like that, <laughs> that fucking underneath sounds like, oh my the, God. The woman who does the devil's voice. Oh, it's uh, incredible. She's, and I, and I was reading that, I guess there was some controversy because Linda Blair got nominated for supporting actress, but oh. then, but it, 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 then it was revealed. And this, this isn't a dig on Linda Blair because she's fantastic. She's what she does. Really great. She's so good. But I guess there was some controversy because then they found out that it was it wasn't her voice it was another actress who did the voice so they thought uh-huh. well technically should she be nominated no. or like it it shouldn't no. be oh come on i don't no. know there, there, there she's was, growling and she's a doing a good there. voice but you know come on first of all anybody who didn't know it was linda blair's voice like really linda didn't do that <laughs> that's a fucking uh, idiot no, maybe they thought they did. It was like, you know, sound effects afterwards. They did some mixing with it or something. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, not to, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, sure. Credit where credit is due. Absolutely. Sure. I actually don't think, I don't find the voice all that. The voice sometimes, sometimes is laughable to me. The sound design in general is amazing, but sometimes the, it's a little like, oh, yeah, like oh, yeah, I'm the devil. But I mean, but <laughs> it's Nick Nolte. She's possessed by Nolte. <laughs> that would have worked. Then I would have been chilled to my very core. Roscoe's <laughs> in here with us. Say something, Roscoe. Everybody's in here. Yeah. The whole arthropod squad, Roscoe, my coffee can. <laughs> it's Roscoe that writes help me on her stomach. Mar- oh, He's trying to get out. Margot Kidd is trying to get out. Um, Jesus. We're all here. Um, no, no, no. This, no, the voice is fantastic. But I, I was I was for the first time, and again, I've only seen it a couple of times, but I was like, oh, wow, she's really good. Like, I don't think I gave oh, she's amazing. enough yeah credit to linda blair's performance everything yeah. she's playing and i mean it's pretty fucking amazing and again and, it's there's an arc that the, the, oh, the, the way set, the beginning builds, it's so good their relationship is so nice so, so sweet, sweet and, and naturalistic and again, yeah. don't take an eyelash off your face okay no i didn't get it Mm. What are we going to do on your birthday? Isn't it nice? It's on Sunday this year. Mm, no work. What can we do? I don't know. 
can we do? Hey, you know, we never finished seeing all the sights in Washington. We didn't get the Lee Mansion and lots of stuff. Should we do that? Go sightseeing? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And tomorrow night, I'll take you to a movie. Okay? No, I love you. Oh, I love you. I was just going to say, there's something, you know, it, it, it's so interesting that the mother is is an actress and yeah. that we see her. It's a Warner Brothers movie and we see her coming mm-hmm. out of a trailer that says a Warner Brothers production. of. There's something meta yeah. about that. She's making movies. There are scenes of her making movies. There, there's so much about what's either not real or what's perceived or what what is faith based or, or a leap of faith. Mm hmm. In this movie, in the background, in the in the bones of this movie, and yet so many of the scenes, which I think is so brilliant, are 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 scenes about trying to address something or trying to explain something that is spiritual and unexplainable through science and medicine. And it's all yeah. this stuff. Like we know, <laughs> we know from the start, we're like, this little girl, it's the devil in this little girl. Like we buy right. in quickly. We're not I don't think anybody in the audience is like, yeah, it's gotta be, yeah, she probably <laughs> just needs a pill. I but, <laughs> But you watch people exhaust the possibilities, right? Which, and I, really, liked, which I think is I liked, fascinating. That scene, yeah. the scene I that really I, I really, really enjoyed, and I didn't remember, it's when when all the doctors are together and mm-hmm. when they finally bring up, may, have you heard of this thing called an exorcism? And it's I, I thought that scene was played so great because you earn it. They've tried, It's like you said, they've exhausted they've all exhausted options. Everything. And yeah. it's just like... The pragmatism behind it all, I thought yeah. it was so interesting. I just liked how they really took their time. And then finally you have these doctors saying, this sounds ridiculous. It's not, we don't, it, it's not a religious thing, but it, it could be just a way to, to shock her out of it. Right. And I that, just thought that, that was a great build how they got there. That and, and, and yet, you know, even though they're being very pragmatic and very scientific, they're wrong, <laughs> you know. And I was talking yeah. to my I was talking to my father in law about that scene today, and he that's one of his favorite scenes in the movie mm. is that scene. Huh. And he was like, ultimately, the science of it can't explain. I mean, even in that moment, they're like, you know, of course, it's not really possession; it's the person thinking they're possessed. So their belief in the possession leads to their belief in the exorcism, right, the and therefore their psychological right. exactly the placebo effect makes their psychological problem go away. They're mm-hmm. wrong about that. The doctors, right. they are incorrect. And so, yeah. you know, that, that, that to, uh, uh, again, speaks more to sort of the, the, the faith-based uh, uh, interpretation of this, of this uh, strong faith-based interpretation of this, of this movie. Here's um, a hot take I have on the movie. I don't find it scary. I Me neither. It, I don't think it's scary. I think it's more sad than scary. I love it. I think it's innovative, brilliant. I love, uh, we didn't get to talk about this very much, but but um, Friedkin's camera is always moving, always yeah. moving, always peering, yes. always going around mm. corners, always finding people, following people upstairs and around. Like he, we, we are part of it. And that speaks to what you're saying, Jason, about like, hey, you're going to be on this movie set with us. You're going to be part of the myth making. You are the camera in a way. It's very voyeuristic. Yeah. But, um, you know, I don't find this movie very scary. I didn't, I, I remember not finding it very scary. It's shocking. When, when she Shocking. spits and throws up and the head goes around, I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, boy. Oh, wow. Oh, she just grabbed the psychiatrist's balls. Holy mackerel. Yeah. You know? I, I, found th- it- I find it scary in in just the anticipation. 
when I saw it in 2000 with that spider crawl down the stairs, that was genuinely terrifying. That <laughs> I was agree. Really scary. <laughs> I remember it being very scary because of that. That's the image yeah. I remember. And I remember seeing it in the theater and finding it scarier. But watching it this time, maybe it's something about being in my living room or whatever, or some of those things being excised from it or rather not yeah. reinserted into it. Yeah. It felt more, again, there's a slightly more clinical kind of thing going like when you see all the doctors trying to suss it out there's even max von Sydow, his he's got this kind of business-like unflappability when he's there yeah. it's almost like all right i'm gonna get my tool. like he's a plumber and he's there and he's like all right and this is what the Which devil's gonna do and he spit because it's he knows. so great the way he plays it he knows <laughs> there's no like oh like a quick grab my hand a quick hold on to the there's none of that shit like, <laughs> even when, the other, when father karis is like do you, do you want me to explain things to you and he's like why what's the point yeah, like, no, yeah, yeah. Let's just get in there. Let's He's just like, do let's this. Just get it. Yeah. Let's just do He's it. He's like, we're let's getting get... in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Karis is like, you know, I, I've, there's three distinct personalities. Like, nope, there's one. There's yeah, one. Yeah. I've, I, I know that. this guy. I know this, this thing. I've fought this battle before. It's just yeah. No, but I think there's something about there's a straightforwardness to it that, that made it, yeah, to, uh, also sad and shocking, <laughs> but not scary. Uh, yeah. Not as scary as I remembered it. You're, yeah. I agree yeah. with you there. Bloody damn butchering Nazi pig. There's the fight, the director, Oh, and the Nazi guy. Gets into the fight with the Nazi guy. Which I thought was weird, but, and again, we were talking about the great, uh, the you know, the, the 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 sound in this movie and the sound editing. There was something about the way they were fighting, and I wonder if this was purposeful, that reminded me of the sound of the dogs fighting in a rock in the very beginning. Oh, yeah, neat. Oh, neat. That's cool, Fred. The darkness gets in you, and yeah. that's how you have to express it. You have to grapple. Right. You have to find an enemy and fight. Yeah, yeah. whenever the devil's presence is around, there's going to be aggression. There's a lot of referential naming in it. Um, her name is, is uh, the mother's name is Chris, right? Or Christine. And that's like, oh. and even though she's an atheist. Mm. And then um, uh, 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 Lee J. Cobb was like, oh, I loved you in the movie. I must have seen you in this movie six times. And the movie is called Angel. Angel, that's you right. Know, mm. all that. Regan is like regal. She's like queen or something, right? So she's like mm. a real king or a real queen was thought to be God's representative on earth, right? So she's sort of the oh. opposite of that, of like the devils. Mm. You know, the king of the king of hell is sort of like coming into this, you know, queen of earth. And then um Kinderman, the lieutenant the Lee J. Cobb, Kinder means child. So he's child. sort of like child man. Mm. And in that moment when he's like, oh, it, the, I I lied that the uh, the, the, the signature, the, the, signature the autograph is for me. I love he that. He totally becomes like a six-year-old kid in that totally. moment. Your mother's in here with his cash. Would you like to leave a message? I see that she gets it. If that's true, then you must know my mother's maiden name. What is it? What is it? He was really great, though. I got to say, uh, Jason, Jason Miller, Miller really yeah. sort of, I, I, I couldn't take my eyes off him. I just thought it was such a cool character. He has such a haunted face. 
He's got a little he was, he ha- Harry so Dean good. Stanton in him too. Oh, yeah. Harry yeah. Dean Stanton. Yes, he's been you're through stuff. Right. It's a face that's been through oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah. He lost uh, the great Max von Sydow this year, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't realize that until you know these year end things started coming. Mm-hmm. I had forgotten that we had lost him. Um, but my big question is: was he was he better in this? Or as Brewmeister Smith in Strange Brew. Strange Brew. A question Brew. for the ages. <laughs> or as a, as Ming the Merciless. <laughs> was he Ming Gordon. also? Of he was, course he was, he was Ming. Ming the Merciless. God. Wow. That was the first thing I saw him in. That. I saw him in that and in, uh, in Victory. He was the evil Nazi in Victory with Sylvester Stallone and Michael right. Caine and Pele. He's also great in Minority Report. He's right. he, I, oh yes, he's great in that, and I love he's that movie. And then apparently that. he did some movie where he plays chess. <laughs> but what I didn't see is it's a black and white movie. I don't go. See, I don't see those. I don't movies. see that shit. <laughs> no. Bobby Fischer shit. Um, yeah, he's very good. But yeah, and then you realize it's like, oh, Max Fonsito has seen the same age from 1973 until he passed away. This Isn't year. that no, funny? Can, he was 40. Two years old when he made this movie. <gasps> He's younger than we me. are now when he made this movie. 40, 42 or 43. 42 what a great performance. Because he must shit. have filmed it in 72 and he was yep. born in 29. So fantastic. He's like only 43 years old. Wow. Isn't that crazy? The aging wow. is incredible. There was also a sense I got that, and maybe I'm looking into this, but there was a, when I was watching, I was thinking, I don't know if he's that old. I think it's just maybe like his battles with the beast have aged him. Take, yeah. Have aged him and taken the life out of him. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I'm now I, you know, I watched it in my bed with my cat next to me with all the lights on, the blinds up, because right. you know, I was so scared. Uh, but I I enjoyed it. I, enjoyed I, I didn't it. want to watch it last night. I saved it for <laughs> me too. this afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> Same. How many Sheila's? How many Sheila's? Ooh, how many I'm gonna friends? give this a nine. Yeah, I'll go nine. I was it's at a well-made eight, movie. but I'm like uh, inching I'm up. Gonna come up to I'm inching up, <laughs> I'm inching up. Do it, do it, do it. inch up, do it, inch up, inch, inch closer to nine. Yes, all right, I'll go nine. I'll go nine shillings. Wow, Boom. nine nine. Then our nine. job is done. Yeah, yeah, you did good. You did real good, boys. <laughs> Fantastic. Mission the accomplished. Here comes the mail. Oh, the mail sack, God. the mail, mail sack. I'm a mail and I got a sack for you. It's a, the mail sack. Lindy Blair sack. grabbed me by it, but it's here. <laughs> <laughs> then she threw up on it. All right. Let's open it up here. We got some mail. Oh, Ooh. the oh, here we go. Here we go again with postcards. Jeez <laughs> Louise. Let's see. Oh, for God's sake. It's the squad. It's the pod squad, you guys. It's the pot now. Just to refresh everyone's memory, we 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 found out this week. Not only is Sheila in dire trouble and danger up there because of these queen suckers who are going up there, but did you see in the New York Times if the current? I hope the the COVID relief bill gets passed. But guess what's buried in there on page eight hundred forty six or something? Money I know, I know. to go to eradicating the murder hornets. So this is the feds are now going to be after her. In addition, Jesus everybody else. God, what do these people have against our Sheila? What do they have against our listeners? 
It's like <laughs> the federal government wants to to get rid of opening weekend. They don't want they don't want a, a nest. Don't tread on me, federal yeah. government. Oh. Don't tread on opening weekend. <laughs> Uh, come These on, are our feds. listeners. We don't have many listeners, but a few of them are murder hornet. Well, one of them is a murder hornet. <laughs> but she could tell two friends and they could tell two friends. Yeah, exactly. Dan, Dan is under the impression that non-human hornet hybrids, <laughs> just hornets, will listen, subscribe. Well, that's true. I'm not thinking of them as full hornets. Yeah, you're thinking that Dr. Merlot sent like a whole shit ton of these things. To go well, that could happen because she happen. could convince the hornets to visit. You know, hey, hey, come with me. I have a friend, Doctor Merlot. I don't know if that's how Sheila sounds in her hybrid state. And then Doctor Merlot could hybridize all those hornets into opening weekend podcast listeners. That was scarier than Linda Blair's voice in the uh, in the Exorcist. What you just did. We all know it's like it's. Damn, that's it. I made you some cardamom pancakes. Uh, we know we know for a fact that that's how it is yeah no uh, she can communicate with those hornets in in that language and get them to uh, okay to i think i think we really should there's got to be more conventional ways to, to, to get listeners remember when sheila was just a woman who would call us up every now and then i've been listening to the old episodes I've been, I've been going through one by one i'm up to episode eight now i'm up to the episode where she got behind her filthy sloppy old potter's wheel and and Jesus was uh, making something for Dan. Jesus um, but Christ. yeah, I remember the first couple of weeks she was just like a lady sending in letters. Yeah, just a she fan. seemed very keen on on Dan's point of view. She seemed to yeah. agree with him on every stupid thing he said. <laughs> but other than that, she just seemed like a normal human being. And then it's amazing the little turns. The 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 yeah, she turned and turned and uh, now. She is half murder hornet and enjoying that life, apparently, and fully embracing it. The 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 pod squad, however, as we found out last week, is going to get on the trail to save her um, and to get up there because we can't get up there. We don't even know where this place is. We can't get up. Good luck. One hornet. (laughs) You're going to try to find it's a needle in a stack of needles, but maybe they'll send Max von uh, Max von Sydow for for decades in the searching. Looking at little broken bits of things, and like, ah, this means something. <laughs> I found this in a hole in another movie. A couple, a couple dogs were fighting. And let me <laughs> the, so, what do the postcards say? Okay, so the postcards. <laughs> What's your rush, Fred? <laughs> yeah, you don't think this conversation going anywhere? We had a three and a half hour episode. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so postcards. They're all <laughs> postcards, all postmarked. Shreveport, Louisiana. These idiots are going the wrong direction. Why are they going east? They've got to get to the Pacific Northwest. They know Sheila likes the S places. Oh, I guess they're stopping there. Yeah. They're stopping there on their way. Oh, God. So, yeah. So here's a... uh, they're stopping it. These are postcards. Got you know. They gumbo. want jambalaya. They want yeah, a little it's jambalaya. Got, a little gumbo. It's got a. It's got jambalaya on it. It's from Tote. Oh. Uh, the, <laughs> is that jambalaya or his face? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe a little from column A, a little from column B. But he says, uh, he says, oh, the jambalaya here in Shreveport is so spicy. The power of spice compels you. I don't know why he's. <laughs> oh, why God. he would. Oh, here's here yeah, we are. Uh, you know, uh, Jack is having a bowl of gumbo. You can see the gumbo here. Mm-hmm. You know, the power of rice compels you. <laughs> Why would they? The, um, <laughs> the it's one for Pacino's. Okay, here's here's a uh, 
a, uh, a, a, a as usual, Al has to do something Italian. The picture of a picture of a pizza joint. He's uh, I don't go in for those. I don't go in for those Cajun meals. The power of slice compels me. <laughs> oh, God. Getting a slice of pizza down there. Oh my and God. Uh, Geppetto, uh, finally, I get to take a shower. The power of lice compels me. Now, listen, <laughs> the I'm sorry that he has lice, but these guys have to get going in the right direction, don't you think? Guys, oh. get on it. You got to get that sting. You got to get that sting. Get that sting. The sting. Chicago was the place to be in 1936. In those days, the big con was a dying art. Until a first-class grifter on the lamb from the FBI and a young gaffer from Joliet joined forces to con the Big Mick. He's not as tough as he thinks. Neither are we. Paul Newman and Robert Redford. This time, they might get away with it. Following the murder of a mutual friend... All right, I won't do it like that. <laughs> I'll do it. Following the murder of a mutual friend, aspiring conman Johnny Hooker, played by Robert Redford, teams up with old pro Henry Gondorf, played by Paul Newman, to take revenge on the ruthless crime boss responsible, Doyle Lonigan, played by Robert Shaw. Hooker and Gondorf set about implementing an elaborate scheme so crafty that Lonigan won't even know he's been swindled. As their big con unfolds, however, things don't go quite according to plan, requiring some last-minute improvisation by the undaunted duo. 1974's Best Picture winner, directed by George Roy Hill, is as much an ode to the power of theater as it is to its mid-1930s period setting. The Sting made $156 million at the box office and went on to spawn an ill-fated sequel a decade later, starring those beloved Newman and Redford doppelgangers Jackie Gleason and Mac Davis. Ooh. Fred and Dan, what'd you think of the good one? The original, <laughs> The Sting. <laughs> I loved it. I had never seen this movie. Had you guys ever seen it before? No, first time. First I, time, and I, I loved it as time. well. I've seen it. I've seen it several times when I was a oh. kid. I had seen it on TV okay. a bunch. My grandfather and I, I remember watching it with my grandparents, uh, like probably when I was in seventh grade or something, mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> it was on TV a lot. And I watched it. I think a couple times I've seen it and loved it. And loved it again last okay. night when I watched it. I think yeah. we were even saying that last week, Dan. Like, you and I were saying that this was a movie that was just always on TV. Yes. That we'd see clips of. Right. And, like, I remember, I re you know the thing that I remember from it the most? Obviously, is the music, is all the Scott Joplin music. Mm -hmm. But I remember, I think I learned how to play one of the songs from my piano teacher, Miss Cybelle. And I remember the, 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 the music for one of the rags in it had, the, like, the cover of, of the poster. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's to me what I, you know, always associated it with. Yeah, mm. that visual style and rag. the sound of all those Scott Joplin ragtime tunes. This is a movie that was not on my radar in any way, shape, or form, even though it was the best picture winner. But it's always one that I've wanted to kind of sit down and just yeah. really watch. And and man, it was a it, it's a real it's a real treasure. And part of it so is, well done. Yeah, it's very well done. But it's a it's an homage, like kind of like you said in your intro. It's an homage to um filmmaking as well because yeah. that first title card 
you know, I forget if it's the, maybe it's the very first title card or it's the one that says directed by uh, George Roy Hill or whichever one Mm -hmm. it's, it's not a, it's not a painting of a scene from the movie of like betting or poker or anything. It's a painting of people making a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Setting lights up. Yeah. Yeah, Setting up lights and a camera and things like that. And then you, and then, you know, so hard to talk about this movie without giving anything away, but ultimately we are stung. Yeah. The con Mm -hmm. is played on on us us, and it's works so well. Even today, it works so, so well. We, we, We are the ones who get grifted. Because there are all these multiple grifts and cons throughout the movie. Yeah. And, and the very first one, we don't know what's happening until we know, until right. they tell mm-hmm. us what it is. And right. then, of course, the last one, the big one. Yeah. But, but there's yeah. a million in between, and we're walked through all of them. We are, we have the bird's eye view of all of it. We know yes. what the plans are. We know what all of the manip- manipulations are. We see all the grifts happening. And so you start like like any good con man, they build our confidence as the audience in them as the storytellers and the characters that we are going to have whatever information we need to have at all times because we get to see these private moments with Redford and Newman and and their acting is so it's really beautiful. Like, they're you know, the the stories that they're telling just with their eyes throughout it. I mean, there's so much that's unsaid, but we spend so much time with them and we we really feel like we know where it's going and we know all the secrets and we know all the all the details that there are to know and then we don't and and i've Mm -hmm. seen this like i said i've seen this a few times it's been a long time since i've seen it Mm. but even then and i i won't i'm not gonna give the big you know sometimes we talk about the ends of movies and spoilers be damned but i feel like this is one that (laughs) a lot of people that we know who might be listening to this maybe haven't seen because it is you know it was it was from when we were so young and it is one of those like movies your parents watched on tv see it if you can but uh but yeah the the in the end i was really really surprised and i had a glimmer a moment while i was watching it i was like huh does this go the way i think it's gonna go i can't remember <laughs> you, you know i couldn't remember. I couldn't, remember I couldn't remember i couldn't remember i couldn't remember but there were you know things what, i what, noticed in this watch that i i mm-hmm. i never have before i i i just want to say one thing that's um really fantastic is um it's great that you say I said homage to theater and you say homage to filmmaking too and it very much is Mm -hmm. and the tricks of filmmaking and it's not even a trick because this is just the very basic conceit of filmmaking is that you know in the edit you're cutting from one thing to another you you know either the camera pans and you know okay I'm still with this real-time moment or there's a cut and you're like I don't know what they did here I don't know how they they uh they maneuvered but there's there's one moment where Newman is sitting there in, in the I think he's on the train. It's before he goes to that first uh, game with uh, with with uh, Shaw with Robert Shaw, and uh, and he's there and he's talking to Redford, and you see Newman, and then there's a a cut to him cutting the deck and and doing all this you know manipulating That's the cards. That's a great shot. It's so great, it's so great. And you see his hands working with the cards and turning them over. And I I I I'm I'm terrible with cards i can't i don't have any of that dexterity and you look at it and i'm watching it and i'm watching with kate and i'm like this is awesome that's not paul newman's hands that's not paul newman that's what i thought and then the camera goes moves right doesn't cut back to him it the camera just moves up to his face and he winks Mm -hmm. which is amazing he winks because he knows everybody's thinking this cut from my face to a couple of hands doing this and everybody's thinking i know how movies work it's some other guy's hands but it's not and then he 
gives he literally winks at us he winks at redford but he's winking at us <laughs> so great yeah it. you're absolutely right oh. i kept thinking as i was watching and i thought and and i i you know i i'm sure there's some people that might groan at this comparison but i was thinking man i want to watch this with with the kids because they love oceans 11 and oh yeah this is like we, we oceans, talked about oceans 11 last night as we were watching yeah, it yeah this is like yeah, the this. oceans 11 uh, i mean i guess you could say oceans 11 is well oceans 11 is a remake of yes. the other Ocean's Eleven, but you could say that Ocean's Eleven is really the sting of our age. But it really is watching them, and you're I like, bet they first love of all, it. Redford, yeah. the, the, the resemblance that Brad Pitt has to Redford is uncanny <laughs> to me. Him and Newman, I mean, it's like Clooney and Brad Pitt, yeah. you know, in the two in most the handsome movies. men in Hollywood getting together. <laughs> but what I love, you know, you were talking about the the homage to filmmaking and how it was made. It's filmed. I mean, yes, it takes place in the '30s. But it's filmed like a movie in the 30s would be filmed. Good it's point. filmed like a like a, a Michael Curtis, you know, the guy who did Casablanca yeah, with yeah. dirty faces Mildred and all those. There, yeah. Mm. The way the shots are set up, the the pan fades, you know, mm -hmm. the the you know, the circles coming up, the quick zooms in and out where to like zoom in really quickly <laughs> to the card or zoom out, like all that stuff. That's how movies in the 30s were made. Yeah. What a fun movie. Yeah, it was fun, right? I, I thought it was so great, and I thought everyone was wonderful in it. I oh, love the Paul Newman is fantastic. Paul Newman is so good. And that he scene is, when he plays, he's playing drunk. I mean, that, that like going from it's so funny. Scene, he's so good. He, you could tell he's having so much fun. You know, you could tell yeah. he's like, I'm gonna, I, I'm, I, I can do comedy, and I'm gonna show you. Yeah. Don't worry about it, pal. <laughs> they wouldn't let you in here if you weren't a chump. Lombard will be joining you in a couple of minutes. Now look here, Sergeant. I've had enough of this game and quite enough of this company. Check me out, Clemens. Oh, come on, Linneman. I was just starting to do good. <laughs> <laughs> Tough luck, Ron Ann. But that's what you get for playing with your head up your ass. <laughs> Name's Lonigan. Doyle Lonigan. You're gonna remember that, Mr. Shaw. You're gonna get yourself another game. My favorite huh. um, shot in the movie is, so you, you're outside, but you're looking at Robert Shaw's reflection in the window of the, um, the, the, the place where he's coming he's out waiting of, for the phone call. The, yeah, where he's waiting yeah. for the phone call, the, the deli or that, that little <laughs> diner. The deli, the little diner, yeah. Yeah, in the reflection, you see the reflection of Harold Gould up in the up oh, in the um, that's so cool. up in the window because he's watching all the time to see if when Robert Shaw is going to make his way from the diner over to yep. the gaming parlor. Yeah. So it's a reflection of a reflection of a reflection. And that's basically a microcosm of this whole movie, right? Yeah. It's like you're going to be inside the inside of the inside. Yeah. It's very huh. meta. And uh, I love that shot. I was like, oh, that's fucking brilliant because we're seeing, again, we're seeing all the layers. But there, mm -hmm. no one else is seeing, you know, uh, the Robert Shaw character and nobody else is really seeing every single layer. Only at the end is it all, all revealed. I, so fucking cool. Robert Shaw is, he's, a, I mean, everybody in this is so good. Yeah. He is so goddamn good. He, <laughs> his stillness in this. Yeah. I mean, and he's got that kind of steely thing in Jaws too. Another thing where he's, a, he locks his eyes on you and he doesn't move a goddamn muscle and you're and you're so captivated. The fury behind his eyes, you know, is just mm -hmm. that 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 simmering like I'm going to get him back. It, you yeah. Know? 
and that that it's it's really revenge lust, right? And that's ultimately, I think, the message of this movie is like is what Paul Newman says to Robert Redford is like, yeah, you can go do the revenge thing, you know, but it's not going to be wholly satisfying <laughs> ultimately yeah. in the end, you know. And and Robert Redford says as much at the end, you know, sort of intimates mm-hmm. that it's like. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it was sure fun. God, does Newman have charm to spare in this movie? Newman I was often compared really to God. Paul Newman in my youth. Often compared to Paul Newman it, by, my, grand, by my grandmother. My grandmother, <laughs> my grandmother would often say to me, you look like a young Paul Newman. And my mother would be like, are you blind? Are you going blind? Have you seen his oh, nose? No. You mean Paul Benedict? Yeah. Do you mean <laughs> Five-ish Finkel? Because look at him. Uh, Kate... <laughs> was watching it she's like my god robert redford makes brad pitt look like a sack of potatoes she said <laughs> and then she said she said robert redford is so good looking he's better looking than paul fucking newman oh, she was true. just blown it's away true. by how good looking he was and i was like honey please um i'm right it's here true. i would go I for think. paul over robert redford in this really uh, yeah me too paul newman is just fucking those eyes. I'm a when you look at the two of them, you go back and forth between them. The, the blue eyes, Paul Newman's blue eyes. Come Holy on, shit. And Redford's he's got handsome, he's just got but... this great Redford's great. He's very handsome. He's great what he does. But Newman's got this mischief in his eyes. Oh, absolutely. There's always there's like this glint. Uh, people think Tom Cruise can run. Jesus Christ, Robert Redford, man. Oh, he is yeah. booking it in <laughs> yes. this movie. He is running yeah, his whole movie. ass off. I, yeah. Kate said at one point, she said, <laughs> again, she was in love with Redford. So she's like, the least realistic thing in this movie is the thought that Charles Durning could have gotten that far following him. <laughs> she was like, there's no way that guy was getting anywhere near that train platform. Um, yeah, Charles Durning in this too. Really He's great. great. Really oh, wonderful. Love Charles Durning. Love the guy who Never plays the, the FBI guy. Yeah. Um, he's it's a great cast. It's a wonderful and cast. And James yeah. Earl Jones' dad. Is really? that who plays? That's yeah, and the guy in the beginning is his, one of his partners. Luther. Yeah, Luther. Because I'm James I'm Earl watching Jones him and I'm going, he, you're fucking he kidding exactly me. like James Earl Jones. He does Jones. look a lot like him. You're right. They speak the same way. That like enunciation, you know, oh the, 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 the big God. mouth enunciation that he does. Wow. Yeah, and I looked him up because I thought, wait, it, is that James Earl Jones? And I thought, no, it no. can't be. And I think it's yeah, I'm fairly certain it's his dad, that's, Robert Earl Jones. Holy shit! Yeah, that's well, amazing. that would that that's a good guess. I would bet. I would bet. <laughs> he looks like him. He sounds like him. And, and two of his three too. names are Earl and Jones. <laughs> no, but I didn't know if it was his dad or maybe a brother. No, or something. I, I, no, I hear you. I hear you. Of course. Uh, I season. wish there was a bit more. With Eileen Brennan's character, I know. Yeah, I love her. She's great. Yeah, there's not there's not a lot there for her. Which wonderful. I guess maybe that's typical of those 1930s styles movie. I mean, she's mm-hmm. just sort of like, you know, the the dame. She's, she's the mall. She's the madam, you know? right? She's yeah. the madam of that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I love the symbolism of like the merry-go-round in that place. You know what I mean? It's just like yes. we're just gonna go keep going yeah. around and around on this ride. I, <laughs> you know, this never-ending cyclical ride is very cool. I symbolism. love that moment where she's like, "It's a slow night. Can I have the girls? Oh, yeah. Can I run the carousel for the girls?" And it's like, mm-hmm. "What?" And all the prostitutes are just on the carousel, just for like fun. having a good time, yeah. having some just fun. Fun. Oh, it's God. such a charming movie. It's yeah. really, yeah, so, I really. So good. It's awesome. I have a lot of fun watching this. And, you know, the style of it is amazing. The, yeah. the, the cars, the storefronts, the streets, 
you oh, know. Backlot, all filmed on backlots, which I love. Oh, I love that. Too. I love that. You know, you, they make it so perfect and, and down to every, you know, every, every piece of piece of wood and every cobblestone. And, uh, um, and then of course the music, unbelievable. Oh, it's got job and stuff. Yeah. That's and that's great. all Hamlish, right? Doing his take on all of these. Yeah. Yeah. So great. It's all his updated. You hear that song and you see images in your head of this movie. Even before yeah. I saw the movie, I saw the yeah. images in my head of the, yuck, 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 yuck. you think of this and that, and that song's called the entertainer, right? This is going to be an entertainment in which yeah. we use the medium in which we entertain you to fool you in a, in a very fun way. Mm-hmm. So, so cool. This is, this is so cool. How many Sheilas are you going to give the sting? <laughs> ten. Ooh, ten for the sting. I'm going to yeah, give it a 9.5, and I don't know why. Again, it's one of those things. I'm like, why don't I just give it a ten? Because it's so good. Yeah, I'm going to go nine. Uh, I love it. I love it. I don't know that it's better than The Exorcist, that I, which I gave a 9.5, I believe. So I'm going to go nine. But I love this movie, and it was incredibly enjoyable and fun. Fun, 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 and shocking at times. I was just like, "Whoa, that just happened! Holy fuck!" You know, like there are a couple of shockers, in yeah, it that, are, that are just mm-hmm. like, "Ugh!" And then, of course, there's a shocker after the shocker, and you go, "Oh, you know." So, so there's, yeah, great, there's a lot great of that. surprises, great yeah. twists. Yeah, some of the shocks are not necessarily visceral, like, "Oh my god!" Shocks. Right. They're, they're just like the one wow. is fun though. Shocks. One of them is it's like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, you know the one I'm talking oh, about. Oh yes, yes, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, holy shit! Um, yeah. But uh, um, really, really fun movie. Great performances all around. And, uh, uh, um, you know, yeah, I, I'm going to go nine on it. Yeah. The evocation of the, of the period setting, like you guys were mm. saying. It's like, so, yeah. I mean, it's, it's feels perfect. It feels like, and that's a brilliant observation too, Fred. It does feel like it was made in the 30s. It's not just that it's set in the 30s. And, no, it's and has those, all the art direction all and stuff. Those it camera feels setups, like yeah. a 30s movie. Do we have, is there any uh, phone calling or anything that you want to touch on? No. Yeah, that's fine. Those fuckers are stuck in Shreveport. God knows what they're doing down there. That's fine. If they can even operate a phone after all the jambalaya they've eaten. (laughs) Damn them. Get on it, (sighs) Arthropod Squad. This is what I'm, just get up there. Save Sheila. Save our Sheila. Save her. Get on the road in the correct direction, please. We need listeners. Listeners who will go to iTunes, give us five stars, give us a review, and tell people about our wonderful, wonderful opening weekend podcast. Yeah, it doesn't hurt you to be kind because, you know, the power of nice compels you. (laughs) Yes! Yes! Oh, God. (laughs) I love you. I love you guys. I love both of you. Happy New Year. Next time we... Next time we... uh, That we meet... <gasps> it'll be it'll be 2021. Oh, this fucking oh, asshole year will be over. I awesome. know, I know. Yeah, yes. this this episode should publish right before the new year. How exciting! Wowzers! Wow, wow, wowzers! That's a yeah, wow, wow, wiki. It's a wow, wow, wiki. Wrap <laughs> that, wrap that weasel. Wrap that, wrap, wrap that, wrap that rascal. Wrap that rascal. Rascal. That rascal. 2020. If nothing else. Oh, wrap that rascal be... in PPE. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Oh, it's so nice to say that the next time we see you all, it'll be it'll be 2021. Um, oh. 
Thank you for listening this year. Yes, thank you so much for making our first year such a great one. Uh, We will be back right after the new year with a new episode. We are are looking back to January 8th of 1993 Mm. uh, and three films that weekend. The the, uh, premiere of Leprechaun, the original Leprechaun. Starring what the Wicked the Ewok, right? Warwick, War, right? Warwick, Warwick Davis. Warwick and Davis. Aniston? Isn't Aniston in there? Isn't Jennifer Aniston or is she, she in Leprechaun 2? She or might three be in Leprechaun in the Hood or something. That's what I mean. This is the very <laughs> first Leprechaun. This is Yikes. the the first, the first fine <laughs> installment of the Leprechaun series. It is also the weekend that saw the wide releases of two late 1992 films, um Chaplin. Starring Robert mm. Downey Jr. as Charlie cool. Chaplin, and our good friend and Arthropod Squad member <gasps> Al Pacino <gasps> in his Oscar-winning role, "Scent of a Woman." Hoo-wah. Yeah. Hoo-wah. And ah, indeed. I hope he'll. <laughs> I hope he'll check in with us from the uh, from the road to uh, yeah to talk the about. Fuck he is. I hope yeah, so maybe. too. That'll be great. We'll, That'll we'll, be lovely. We'll, Al, if you're listening, next week, Scent of a Woman. That's right. Leprechaun, Chaplin, Scent of a Woman. Basically the same movie. (laughs) Say that again, Fred. Warwick Davis, if you're listening, (laughs) Leprechaun, check in. Come on. Check in, Fred. Ghost of Charlie Chaplin, (laughs) if you're listening, (laughs) check in. I worked with RDJ for a day. Maybe I can get him to call in. Wait, that's right. Wait a second. And by worked with them, I mean I sat behind him oh after my scene was cut. Did that you was bother the, uh, him like the you did with Duvall Ed movie? The, jur- the, the, judge. Uh, the judge. Yeah. Judge did I juror? bother him? What was it, called? it was called The Judge. Oh, I thought it was called The Juror. Yeah. No, no, no. But there is something called The Juror, though. Probably. Probably. It's probably some, um, I don't know. What, what's, what's that guy who writes all those books, those fucking books? Grisham? Ran, uh, it is. Grisham. It is, is it called? That. Is it? I think it is a Grisham. There you go. Yep. It's Tommy Lee Jones and Brad Renfro and uh, <laughs> whatever the fuck. <laughs> I know you've got something to tell. Tell it. <laughs> that should be the trailer for everything. Show me on this other. <laughs> I don't have a doll. Show me on this other kid where he touched you. Oh, geez. Well, wouldn't that just be pay it forward? <laughs> Show me in this other movie where he touched you. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> oh yes. God. What do you have for us this weekend? I think there's only one thing to do. Mm. Oh, you've got a couple of things. I think there's I the got Exorcist a little... theme. There's the the. Oh my the... God! I didn't even think of the Exorcist. The sting. No, we gotta we gotta stick with the Sting. I think. Wait a minute. But how would the Exorcist theme go if farted? Oh god, that's hard. That's a hard one. Can that's you make hard. Your, it's good. Can you make oh. your sweaty palms say "fuck me" with the crucifix? Yes. It also sounded like the way R two D two would say "fuck me" with a crucifix. R two, not oh, again. <laughs> He's off his meds. Last week it was the Star of David. This week it's the crucifix. Ah! You buckets of boats. <laughs> Every life day, he gets the same way. <laughs> no other holidays compare. 
We understand. <laughs> you don't have to fuck yourself with the iconography of every other religion to make your point. I know what Mala does. <laughs> I've seen her with the mezuzah. <laughs> <laughs> And no, that's not the name of Chewbacca's cousin. <laughs> Featuring Chewbacca's Jewish cousin, Mazuzar. <laughs> and Harvey Corman. <laughs> I want to see this. So, I want to see this so bad. <laughs> I only want to see this. Oh, God. Oh. But please, Dan. Oh. Please, please fart us out of here. Oh my god. All right. That all stays in by the way. <laughs> oh, it's so good. So good. All right, little entertainer, huh? Okay, let's see. How's it begin? Is that is front runner for, for next, year, this for the for next year's annual Golden, Golden Sheila, for the second annual Golden Sheila Award. That that is going to be hard to beat. You've got you've got like fifty more weeks in which <laughs> to try to, to, try beat, to it. beat it before the next Golden Sheila's. I don't know if you can, but I'm wishing you well. I wish you good luck. I'll friend. try my best with the theme from Leprechaun next week. <laughs> Oh, that's right. What the fuck are you going to be able to do next week? I oh, hope there's the tango, I some tango like, from Scent of a Woman, right? There's oh, like, yeah, some kind of tango. You do that. Or, Maybe uh, Leprechaun, you know, blinded by the light. Memorable. Because he's blind. <gasps> oh, no. Is the Leprechaun blind in Leprechaun? <laughs> no, Scent of a Woman. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Leprechaun blind. <laughs> He says he asks with concern. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be he says, he says, he says oh no. He says, it's dark in he says, here. He said, oh no. <laughs> he said, oh no. As if, as if, as if somebody, as if he's like friends, kind of friends with the leprechaun son, and the leprechaun son posted on Facebook something and he's like, about dad, and he did last week too. But it was just he was going to the doctor, and it was like, oh, I should check in. I should check on Gary and see, <laughs> you know, how his dad's doing. And then today, like, we saw it because we're also friends, but Dan didn't, and he didn't get around to checking in. And he's like, oh, no. Oh, my God. Is, is Gary's dad the leprechaun blind now? Totally? He lost it in both eyes? Yes. I can't yes. see me pot of gold. I'm going to go on a murderous spree. <laughs> Damn you, oh, Jennifer boy, point me in the right direction. I'm sorry. The opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Thank you.